All right. Hey, let's give it up for Jesus in this place. Come on. Do I have any Jesus lovers in the house this morning? Man, I'm excited to be here. This is... uh, it's incredible. It's an incredible opportunity. I want to thank Pastor Michael and Tony for allowing me to, to come in and speak. Um, this house, I, for some of you guys that, that haven't been here a long, to, you know, a long time, the old school cornerstone, I want to talk to you for just a moment. You saved my ministry. Do you hear me? You saved my ministry. I came in uh, 2002, 2001. Um, me and my wife, broken. Um, we had been through, uh, I was a youth pastor and been through some really difficult situations, came into this house, 2001, 2002, and God restored a fire, rekindled a fire. Uh, I'm thankful for guys like Robert McNeil that helped me out. There's several people in this room. I go, Ms. Fowler, there's several people in this room that, 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 that helped me in those moments, helped me and my wife, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm grateful for this house. I want you to understand, I'm extremely grateful for this house. If it wasn't for this house, the body of people that were here, uh, it, you know, I don't know that I would be doing ministry today. And now I have the opportunity and the privilege to travel all over the world. God has, God, I just got back from Illinois, uh, preaching revival, speaking and all over, I mean, literally all over the place. And, and I credit to, to really to this house. And so I want to thank you guys. Before I do anything else, before I go into the message, I want to honor you. Thank you so much, Cornerstone, for all you've invested in me and my family. So, um, but I have a word for this house today. So I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you have it, or go ahead and turn them on to Acts 28, Acts 28. Acts 28, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 6. Acts 28, 1 through 6. It says this, it says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and it was cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice had not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or to suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and they said, he was a God. Did you know that today in the Christian life, faith has two sides? Faith has two sides. The first side I would like to call is like exciting. You know, like the time that you, received, you came down to the, an altar and you asked Jesus into your heart, what happened after that moment? For some of you, you went home and your life was forever changed. Or the moment that you... Uh, you, you, you followed God's demonstration or his, his, his protocol in water baptism, an amazing moment, or when you've seen like a prodigal son or daughter come home to Jesus. Isn't that an exciting moment? Or, or when you're uh, struggling with sickness or you need something, uh, a breakthrough in healing, and God comes through, Jehovah Jireh comes in, and he, he does something incredible in your finances, or Jehovah Rapha brings about that healing. It's an amazing and exciting time. I love that, that type of, I love that part of faith. I love that part. It's exciting. And in my world, before I asked Jesus into my heart, I grew up in a family that was broken. I grew up with uh, two parents that were drug addicts and alcoholics, very abusive, but I had an aunt in my life that actually made sure that I, would, I was in church. 
I'm thankful for the aunts and the grandparents that, that make sure the kids are in church. And so I was about 11 years old and I had this crazy youth pastor. Everybody knows about those crazy youth pastors, right? I had this crazy youth pastor that come up to me every week and he would beg me. He was like, Josh, you need to come to our youth service on Wednesday night. I was super shy. I, I did not want to be there, to be honest with you. I didn't want to be in church. I was the guy that grabbed the bulletin as soon as I came in. And as soon as the pastor started preaching, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to memorize what's in the bulletin because I'm just trying to ignore everything that's going on. But actually, I was just a young man that was hurt and broken. And so I'm sitting there, and every week, this guy would come up to me and like, you got to come up. And he, he would get all up in my face. It's like, you got to come up. You got to be a part of our youth service. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be amazing. And I'd be like, well, maybe. Well, we all know what maybe means, right? Maybe means no. I'm not showing up. I don't want to be there. But there was this one time in particular that he comes up to me and says, Josh, we're going on a beach retreat. And all I heard was beach. Come on now. That sounds pretty good right now. It's cold. All I heard was beach. And he said, Josh, I want you to know that this beach retreat is going to be amazing. He's like, and your way is covered. Your way is covered. And so I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I don't really want to go. I don't, I don't really want to do this whole Christian thing, but it's the beach. So worst case scenario, I go to the beach and I find a couple of girlfriends or something like that. Come on, y'all acting like y'all super saved this morning. Y'all know at, y'all know at that age. Anyways, let's keep going. So I decided that I was going to go and I was going to be a part of this. And so we get on a bus and, and on a van that I don't know why they allowed us to get on those vans. You know, we had one of those vans that, that should have been, I don't know, should have been burned off in some, anyways, we'll just keep going on that too. So we're driving down the road in this van and we go to the beach, but it's not the beach. We go to a hotel. And so we get there at night and we go to sleep and, and I'm thinking the next morning we're going to, you know, it's going to be awesome. And so we get to this hotel. The next morning, my youth pastor comes and in a crazy way is knocking on the door. 6.30 in the morning, knocking on the door, saying, wake up, everybody wake up, everybody wake up. And I'm like, this seems a little bit early, but I'm good. I'm ready to go to the beach. And so we get up, we get up, get dressed, and we get on the van, and we take off, and we go, all I see, I don't see any water, I don't see anything, I see a church building. And I see people lined up to get into this church building. At seven in the morning, there's hundreds, if not thousands of people waiting to get into this church service. And my, my youth pastor's like, well, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to service real quick. The service began at 7 p.m. So it wasn't going to be real quick. 7 p.m. We got in line and we were waiting in line. And I'm talking, I'm waiting with like those crazy Christians you know what I'm talking about? Like, I had never been around crazy Christians like this. Like, they were on fire for Jesus. Like, they were, all they were doing was singing about Jesus, all this stuff. We're waiting in line to get in service, into a church service at 7 a.m. I am just dumbfounded by this. Finally, after waiting all day, all day, we go. And it's like, a, as soon as they open up the doors, it's like every man for himself to get into this building. Like, you know, kids are getting trampled and stuff. But anyways, it's like, everything's just like crazy. And so we, we get into the, this building and I'm, I'm sitting with people I don't even know. And, and as the worship's going, I'm just like, man, this is all just kind of crazy to me. And then as the preaching started happening, there was something that began to stir in my heart. Something happened. 
And I began to grip the front of the pew that was in front of me. And I was, I was honestly, my hands were like, I was just almost like shaking because I felt the conviction of the Lord. And I knew at that point that he had something for me. He had called me to a greater, higher purpose than what I was living at that moment. And before the, the, the pastor could even give the altar call, I was running down to the front to give my life to Jesus. And from that point on, I've never been the same. From that point on, I've never, I never have walked away from him. From that point on, Jesus changed my life. He wrecked my life from that moment on. And we got through, you know, we had services the next couple of nights, and guess what? We never got to go to the beach. <laughs> Not one time. But one thing in my life I've learned is never forget what Jesus has done for you. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us in this room, we would still be depressed. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us in this room, we would still be bitter. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us would still be offended. If it hadn't been for Jesus, some of us would still be on a path to destruction. I'm thankful that Jesus stepped in the way, that God got in the way for me, and he changed my life. Don't ever get to the place where you don't celebrate what God has done for you, and how he saved you, and how he's changed you. You know what happens? Religion begins to fall off of you when you begin to praise him. Religion begins to fall off of you when you begin to lift him up. Religion begins to fall off of you when you give God glory for the things that he's done in your life. See, I love the fact that faith has that side that's exciting. I love it. But faith also has this side that we're going to talk about today called struggle. Most of you guys have experienced that at times in your life. Struggle. Maybe there's been a hurt, pain, loss, unforgiveness, an offense, storm, however you want to call it. But faith has this other side called struggle. It has this, it has this side that's, that's difficult. You know, maybe it's something that happened to you. Maybe it's somebody that did something bad to you or said something bad to you, offended you. And it's difficult to walk through those moments it's difficult to get over those moments in those times. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants you to build a home in a place you were never meant to live. He wants you to get to this place to where you operate in struggle, where you operate in that moment. And that's all you are. The Bible says like this, David said, I go from glory to glory, but often between glory is a valley. And what the enemy wants to do, he wants you to have a camp. He wants you to have a campground right there in the middle of the valley, but it's not a place that you're called to live. It's a place that you're called to walk through. The Bible says it best. David said it like this. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say, even though I stop in the valley. Did y'all hear me? He didn't say, even though I build a home in the valley of the shadow of death. He says, even though I walk, you got to keep walking. Sometimes you have to get back up and you just keep moving forward. You know how you give the enemy a black eye when he tries to knock you out, when he tries to take you out? You keep moving forward despite what you see, despite what they're saying, because you know this, that God is going to work all things out for the good of those who love him. See, Faith has that side that's called struggle, has that side that's called difficulties. And so Paul knew both worlds. In this passage of scripture, he understood both worlds. He understood signs, wonders, and miracles, the excitement. He understood what it was like to see people's lives changed and transformed, but he also knew what it was like to be stoned and left for dead. He also understood what it was like to be in prison. 
He also understood that faith had this side that was exciting, but he also understood that it had difficulties at the same time. And so as he's on this last journey, one of the last journeys they would have in Acts 28, a storm comes. Now, most theologians believe that this storm lasted about two weeks. That's a pretty bad storm, right? It lasted about two weeks. And while he's on this storm, while he's in this storm, everything that he has is destroyed. Now, I need to make a note. He does not have sin in his life. He is doing the will of the Father. He is doing what God has called him to do. He is walking. He is in step with Jesus every step of the way. He is walking with him. He's talking with him. And as he's doing the will of the Father, guess what? Something hits him in life. A storm shows up. And it knocks him out. And it destroys everything that he had on this boat. And the Bible says that he makes it to the island of Malta on a piece of the ship. Now, as I was studying, as I was prepping for this message, because I felt like I was supposed to be here today, as I was prepping, I felt like God showed me four things that happened to Paul while he was on this island. The first thing is he has been shipwrecked, lost everything. The first thing that happened is that he encountered the provision of God, the provision of God. Now, Josh, how in the world did he encounter the provision of God when everything that he had is lost on the ship, when everything is lost on this boat? How did he encounter the provision of God? If you notice in the passage of scripture that I just read, it says this, it says that when he arrives to the island, he's greeted with a fire that he did not build. I want you to understand, he's greeted with a fire that he did not build. What happened? He was cold and he was wet and he had floated to the island on a piece of the boat, on a piece of the ship. And when he's there, he is greeted with a fire that he did not even build. See, what I've learned in my life is that affliction, if you allow it, will bring a revelation of God's provision in your life. See, sometimes you don't realize what he's doing until you run out of what you have. You find out that they aren't your source. You find out that that job is not your source. You find out that that pastor is not your source. You find out that those people in your life are not your source, that, that God is your only source. You see, today, today, those clothes on your back is his provision. That car that you drove up in today is his provision. That home that you live in is his provision. That breakfast that you ate this morning is his provision. I'm thankful for the provision of God in my life. See, Paul was wet, he was cold, and God greeted him with a fire that he didn't even have to build. But if you notice in this passage, it's kind of a crazy moment is after a period of time that Paul begins to gather some sticks. Paul begins to gather some sticks. He begins to put it on this fire. He begins to gather these sticks. And so what he does is, and what you need to realize is this, if your fire ever runs out, if your passion ever runs out, it's not due to a lack of God's provision. It's a lack of maintenance on our part. What you hear? If my fire, if my passion ever runs out, it's not because God failed in any way. It's due to my lack of maintenance on my part. You see, that's why every service matters. 
That's why my quiet time matters. That's why my daily devotion matters. That's why when I wake up in the morning and I don't wanna get out of bed and I don't wanna get on my knees before the Lord and begin to pray and begin to seek his face, that's why it matters that I do it anyways. Why? Because in those moments, he will give you fuel for your fire. In those moments, he will give you something for your fire. I want you to understand that most people lose their fire because they walk away from the very thing that God has called them to do every day. And sometimes all it takes to start that fire that's inside of you, that passion that's inside of you, is to gather some more sticks. See, sometimes in worship, I'll lift up my hands and I begin to praise him. You know why? I'm gathering a stick. I'm throwing another stick on my fire because in those moments, as I'm lifting up my hands, it's like he'll hand me something, a fuel, some kind of fuel for my fire. You know, I've gotten to this place where I don't judge anybody's praise. I don't judge anybody's worship because I don't know what this week did to their fire. So they may be just, they may be dancing and they may be going a little bit crazy, but I don't know what happened to them. I don't know what they've been through. So I understand this is that sometimes, sometimes in my life, when I'm going through the most difficult seasons of my life, I lift it up and I praise him. And in those moments, he comes through every time. There's some people in this room, you need to gather some sticks this morning for your fire. Come on, take just a few seconds and, and give him some praise right there where you're at. He's giving you some sticks for your fire, some fuel for your fire, some passion, some fresh passion again. Oh, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You see, God gives us the fire, but it's our job to maintain it. And so as Paul is gathering sticks for this fire, as he's gathering sticks for this fire, maintaining this fire, he gets something that he didn't want to get. He received something in this moment, in this passage of scripture, he received something that he didn't want. You see, when you catch on fire, when you catch on fire, guess what? The enemy will always throw a snake in the middle of your sticks. <laughs> see, Jesus is going to gather the 12 and Judas shows up. Oh, we, oh I'm sorry. We, no, every time, every time you go to catch on fire, he will always throw a snake in the middle of your sticks. And so what happens is we have to learn to discern the difference between a snake and a stick. How do you, how do you discern that? You get it near the fire. Have you ever seen those videos where, uh, like a YouTube video where a snake, when it gets around the fire, it begins to scatter. See, if you wanna know if that relationship is right for you in your life, get it out of the dark and get it near the light and see what happens. If you wanna know if that friendship is the right type of friendship for you to have, get it out of the dark. Get it out of the dark. I used to tell our students when I was a youth pastor, I would tell them all the time, I was like, you know, listen, every time that these young ladies or these young men would come down to the altar and they would, they would say, God, you have my heart. You have everything inside of me. Guess what? There was somebody at the door waiting on them. Somebody waiting on, waiting on them as soon as they got out of the room to kind of distract them to get them off course. It was amazing how many 12 year old girls would tell me that I found the love of my life. I found the love of my life and it's like right after a service. Oh, I'm in love, Pastor Josh, this is the one I'm gonna marry. And I'm just like, y'all, come on, come on. But I would look at the young ladies and I would tell them, I was like, you know, if, if you wanna know if that guy is really for you and he's really good for you, you get him in one of those crazy, I mean, one of those anointed type services where the presence of God shows up and you see if homeboy can stick around. 
Come on, I'm being real today. You see if he'll show up and stick around or if he, if he gets out the door, let him go. Let him go. And so you gotta get near the fire. And so what happens in that moment is that Paul receives something he didn't wanna receive. He's bit. And the next thing that he encounters, not only did he encounter the provision of God, but the next thing that happens in his life, he encounters the protection of God after he's bit. See, I love the provision of God. I love the provision of God, but I really love the protection of God. Because I don't know about you guys, there's been some car wrecks with my names on. There's been some traps, some snares that the enemy laid out for me to try to destroy my life. There were some relationships that the enemy tried to use to destroy my life, but Jesus came in and he cut in on the situation. He changed the situation. You see, somebody that's went through just provision in their life, they'll stand in worship and they'll kind of do this. They'll kind of walk, they'll kind of look around the room and they can kind of discern the entire room. But a person that has encountered the protection of God. They're over here and they're like, their hands are up, their shirts untucked and they're all sweating and stuff. Their mascara's running because they survived some things. They've lived through some things and they understand that without Jesus, they wouldn't be here. They got some scars to prove it. And so for me in my life, my father, I told you guys was a drug addict. My mother was an alcoholic. My father spent five years of our life in prison. And there was one time when my mother was Drunk out of her mind, we got into, this is kind of like old school. You know, nowadays we fasten our kids into uh, these, uh, you know, car seats that like they're going into outer space. You know, back in the day, back in the day, some, this is going to age me just a little bit, we had bench seats. And I just, you know, my seatbelt, my fasten, the way we fastened it was you stand up in the bench seat. Okay, if my parents were crazy, I'm sorry. I, that's the best I got. That's what, it, we, that's what we did in the 80s. So it's like we stand up in the seat, and my mom, like, one day she, we were drunk. We were leaving from the mall, and we are actually uh, going towards uh, Cherokee, Alabama, and about 45 minutes away, and she did not close my door all the way. And so we're driving down the road. We're driving down the road, and we're all over the place. I'm young. I did not even realize. I don't think I even grasped fully what was happening in that moment. We're all over the road and, and my mom runs into a power pole, completely destroys the car. I'm flown out of the car, flown out of the car. And what's amazing about this entire story, what's amazing about this entire story is somehow I come away with just a couple of scratches like on my leg, nothing broken. My mom somehow survived the whole thing. You see, the enemy had a plan but God stepped in the way. That's why I worship just a little bit different. You don't understand because the enemy has some assignments for me, but you know what? God came in and he raised up a standard against the enemy's flood. He raised up a standard every time that the enemy tried to take us out. And so some of us in this room need to realize that God is greater than any struggle that you're going through. He's greater than any situation that you're going through. He's greater than any battle that you're going through. You see, the people that impress me in church are the ones that can get bit and still show up on a Sunday morning. that The people that impress me in church are the ones that can get bit and still lift up their hands and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The ones that impress me in church are the ones that can get bit and still show up to serve in the parking lot. They show up on the cameras. They do whatever it takes because they've been bit. They still show up and they keep moving forward. That's what impresses me in this church is the people that can get bit and still keep showing up.
You see, Paul is bit. And I'm talking to people in this room this morning that have been bit. I could feel it. I'm talking to people in this room this morning that have been bit, that have been, that, that been through some tough situations. You need to realize this morning it's not unusual or abnormal to get bit. In the Christian world, we've done a horrible job with this. We've acted like the only time that you can get bit is when you got sin in your life. That's absolutely not true. There are moments where you're serving the Lord and things happen. And pastors have done a good job of trying to, trying to uh, uh, tell you what is going on, but really we don't know what's going on. Because some things we just don't understand. I don't have, I don't have great theology for what's going on. I can throw something out, but I don't know that it's even the reality of it because God is God. And I don't understand how he chooses and how he selects. I don't understand some of those things. But what I do know is this, is that if you're going to walk on this planet long enough, there's going to be moments in your life where you go through a circumstance, you go through a struggle, you get bit. There are going to be moments where you go through some hardships. But here in this text, it makes me a little bit frustrated because Paul, he didn't get bit in private. He got bit in public for all to see. He got bit in public. What happens? What happens when you get bit and your pain is on a platform for all to see? How do you respond? How do you respond in those moments when it's on a platform? Because you need to realize this morning that sometimes your struggle is never really about you. I want you to stay with me. Sometimes your struggle is never really about you. See, what you're going through may not be about you. You see, in this passage of Scripture, there's natives, there's islanders who are watching to see how Paul would respond to the bite, how he would respond to the situation. So people are waiting to see how you will respond to your circumstance. They're waiting to see how you will respond to your struggle, to your situation. How will you handle your bite? Because they can't see God. They can't see your faith. But you know what they can see? They can see your struggle. And so what Paul does is after he's bit, the next thing that he does, not only does he encounter the provision and protection of God, there's something else that happens, and I love this, it's such a powerful moment. In the middle of the bite, where most people would quit, most people would walk away, Paul persevered. Paul persevered. You see, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes, some Sundays, all I got is perseverance. Some Sundays, that's all I got. You keep standing. Some days, some days all I got is like just to get up. If I get out of bed and I, and I say hallelujah, that's a good day for me. Some days that's all I got. Some days all I can do is just stand. Some days perseverance is all we got. But some of us in this room, you've been standing. You've kept praising. You've kept going forward despite a doctor's report, despite what people are saying about you. You've kept, you've kept the faith. You've kept staying strong in this moment. And what you're doing in those moments, I want you to realize this, is you're allowing the enemy to know that I will outlast this bite. 
I will outlast this bite. You can send whatever you want to at me, but I'm going to outlast this thing. I'm going to outlast this bite. You see, some days all you have is perseverance, but, but for us in this room, you know what? Say what you want, but I'm going to give God praise even with this snake on my arm. Say what you want. I'm going to have joy even with this snake on my arm. Say what you want. Even though I got a bad report this week, I'm going to have joy and peace in the middle of that moment, even with this snake on my arm, I'm going to give him praise. He deserves my praise. Even though, even though I don't see the breakthrough in the moment, I know that I could praise him on credit because he's been so good and he's been so faithful because I know even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. He doesn't clock out. He doesn't take time off. He doesn't take vacation time. He never sleeps just so you can. I'm going to praise him. See, Paul learned this fact. He learned this principle that all of us got to learn perseverance. Because you know what? I know that he's working all things out for my good. And I want, if we have a keyboard or worship team, you guys can come on up. I'm almost done. Almost done. See, there was a moment in the text where Paul, where God actually said to Paul, he's like, he looks at him and I can imagine him saying, you've endured You've been faithful. You pushed through this moment. Now I want you to take this thing that bit you. I want you to throw it into the fire. I want you to take this assignment that the enemy had for you. I want you to throw it in the fire. I want you to take this thing that the enemy meant for evil to try to destroy you, to try to kill you. I want you to throw that thing into the fire. And when God gives you that moment, you know what he's doing in those moments? He's actually giving you the opportunity to embarrass the enemy at his own game on his own field. See, why did Paul get bit anyways? You sit back and you think about it. Why did he get bit anyways? See, what happened? And this is where we're going to land today. When Paul got bit, but when the natives and the islanders saw Paul persevere, you know what it did? It changed their perspective about God. You see, at first they were like, this guy is cursed. You ever felt that way? <laughs> like, this guy's cursed. He's got issues. They're all looking at him like, this guy's got issues. There's something wrong with him. But when they saw him endure, everything they endured, from the shipwreck to getting up on the island and, and, and gathering sticks, getting bit, and they watched him persevere in that moment. They looked at him and they said, this guy is not a murderer. This guy must be a God. Complete perspective shift. Now, Paul, in that moment, he would tell them, I'm not a God, but I serve the most high God. I serve the most high God. And so what you're facing right now, do you hear me, church? If you haven't heard anything all day, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. What you're facing right now, what you're going through, I want you to understand something. There's eyes on you. There may be coworkers that are watching you to see how you handle this bite. There may be unsafe family members that are watching to see how you handle this bite. There are people in this world that are saying, is this thing really real? Is this thing really real? And what God has done in his amazing fashion, he's given them a front row seat to your struggle to watch how you handle the bite to how you handled the situation. You know, over the last 
couple of years has been a difficult couple of years for me. Both of my parents went on to be with Jesus. And what I did not get a chance to tell you guys was that before my parents passed away, both of them received Jesus and they... They were in love with Jesus till the very end. My dad became a, uh, a guy that was over our, it was called Overcomers Victorious. It was over our, uh, helping lead people out of addiction and recovery. He did that for years and years and years. And uh, my mother was serving in uh, all sorts of different areas of the church. And uh, I watched God renew their, <laughs> they renewed their vows in the church. I mean, just an amazing, amazing moment. My mother passed away before my father. We, we kind of knew that that was coming because of some of the situations that she was going through. My father's death was very unexpected. And I, I need you to understand something about my father. He was my best friend. He became my best friend. I called him every day. I called him every day. He would call me, he would call me faithfully every day as well. He would say, he would always say this. He said, hey, are you here or are you off somewhere? That's how he would say it to me. Because I was always on the road, always traveling. And he looked at, he, he, one time we were on the phone and he said this, he said, Josh, he said, when you, when one of those churches ask you, uh, you know, that, that are at the beach and they, they ask you to come preach, he said, I'm going with you. And so before he passed away, guess what? We got a chance to go to the beach, uh, to one of the churches, you got to hear me preach. But here's what happened in this moment. When my father passed away, it was one of the most difficult moments of my life because he went in for a routine, routine uh, just appointment checkup and some things happened in that, in that routine checkup. And, uh, and if it hadn't have been for honestly, just, a, just my gut feeling from the Lord. And then uh, as I was driving to just check in on him, I felt uh, just an impulse to get there as fast as I could. You ever been in that moment? It's like the Lord gives you something. And I was just get there as fast as I could. And when I got there, I knew that something was wrong. I knew that something was wrong. And I looked around and my, I, my brothers came up and they, did, they were not supposed to be there, but they came up and I, I looked at them. I said, I said, guys, I've been here a long time. I've, been, I've done this for a long time. Brace for impact. That's all I told them. I don't know what's happened. My father in that moment went to be with the Lord. I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to him or anything like that, did not know. Did not know what was gonna happen. I want you to understand that at that moment, just a little over a year and a half ago, I was broken, I was frustrated, I was bit, I was bit. I did not wanna, I, honestly, I did not wanna wake up. I didn't wanna get out of the bed, I didn't wanna move. I didn't want to do anything. I, and, and can I be super candid with you guys for just a moment? I was frustrated with the Lord. There was times where I was telling him, and I'm a little bit ashamed of this, but I would say, God, I'm traveling all over this nation. I'm speaking at youth conferences, conventions, churches, all over this nation, telling them how good you are, and this is what happens. Those are statements I was saying. Not super proud of it. But in that moment, I felt like that God was trying to do something in my life and I didn't understand what he was doing in that moment. Still a little bit frustrated, still a little bit uh, angry with him. 
And so I get back up and I knew that my father, my father had asked me, he said, whenever I pass away, both him and my mother, I want you to do my funeral, which was very difficult for me. So I get up there on a, sun, uh, on a day that, that we did his funeral and I sat back and I was like, before I went up on the platform, I was praying and I was still, I could tell, I was still upset, I was still frustrated. I get up there and I start speaking. And I notice out in the audience, my family was all there. I knew they would, but the first three rows of my brothers and sisters, and, and what you need to understand is that for about 15 years straight, we had not had Christmas together, we had not had Thanksgiving together, we had not gathered together, we had not been a family. Because of some, unfortunately it was some unforgiveness, some bitterness, some offense. I felt like a lot of times I was a mediator trying to pull everybody together. But we hadn't gathered together, we hadn't done anything like that. And I get up there and I, I, I spoke this message over my father's funeral. And I don't even really remember what I said. And as I'm speaking, I knew that my father, one of the things he asked, he said, Josh, he said, you gotta give an altar call. No matter what, you give an altar call. Guys, I gave an altar call that day, and as I gave this altar call, I looked, and on the first couple rows right there is my family. And I watched as my brothers raised their hands to receive the Lord. I watched as my sister raised their hands. I watched as my nieces and some of my nephews raised their hands to, to, to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, and what's amazing about this story, guys, I want you to hear me. What's amazing about this story is the last year we gathered together for the first time. For Thanksgiving, this past year we gathered together for Thanksgiving and we, I got to pray over my family. We're gathering for Christmas. There's moments where, and my, my family's in church. I'm hearing my nieces and my nephews getting baptized. I have a nephew that's saying that he's wanting to go into to ministry and asking to be around me and to come uh, on some of the, the trips with me and everything. L listen to me, there is a world out there that's waiting to see how you handle your struggle. And what I didn't realize, I'm not trying to build myself up at all because to be honest with you, I was at one of the lowest points of my life, only thinking about myself, only thinking about my needs, my hurt, my loss, my dad, my, 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 mine. But what God was saying is if you'll handle this situation, I'll change their perspective. And my brother came up to me, my, my younger brother and my older brother both came up to me and said, we were waiting to see how you would handle this. And God gave them a front row seat to that hurt. You know, in this passage of scripture, I saw something. I saw, I saw that God had provision. I saw protection. I saw perseverance and I saw perspective. You know what? They all had one thing in common though. They all happened near the fire. When we go through struggle, when we go through hardships, 
the first thing that the enemy wants to do, he wants you to run from the, <laughs> he wants you to run from the presence of God, the things that you know. Isn't it amazing that the first time that you go through those struggles, the first thought is to get away from everything. And God says, no, I want you to stay close to the fire because what God is about to do in this room, he's about to take your pain and he's about to turn it into harvest. I felt that over this house. And so I want everybody to do me a favor, if you would. I'm about to turn it over to Pastor Michael. But I want everybody, if you would, I want everybody, if you would, I want you to close your eyes all across this room. If you're in this place and you've not asked Jesus into your heart, I want to do this before we do anything else. You've not asked Jesus into your heart. Just like I did when I first, when I told the first story about the beach and the altar and God changing my life in that moment, there may be somebody in this room, I don't wanna take that for granted, that there may be somebody in this room that does not know Jesus. You do not have a relationship with him. And if you're in this room today and you say, you know what, I need a relationship with Jesus. I want you to do me a favor, I want you right there where you're at, I want you to just raise your hand right there, grab my attention. If you do not know Jesus in this room, if you do not know Jesus, go ahead and raise your hand right there where you're at. I see that. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Now here's the next thing. Church, I would like you to do me a favor. I would like you to stand to your feet all across this room. We're gonna have a chance. We're gonna have an opportunity. I know the prayer team will be coming. There's gonna be an opportunity for a response time. There's some people in this room you've been bit. There's some people in this room, you've been going through a struggle. Maybe you had a bad report. Maybe you had some kind of situation in your life, circumstance. Today, this is the thing. The enemy wants you to isolate yourself. Did you hear me? He wants you to isolate yourself, but you cannot do this thing alone. Did you hear me, church? You can't do this thing alone. You need somebody to pray with you. So today, as we worship, if you need prayer, I wanna encourage you to come and pray with some of the members of the prayer team and allow God to bring healing today. Allow God to bring restoration today. Don't walk away today. Don't walk away the same way that you came in this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now. God, we thank you, God, for your hand, God, who you are. And I pray today, God, that you would shift some things in our lives. God, right now in the name of Jesus, if you need prayer, come on down. Worship team.